Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. My name is Kareen, and I'm joined as ever by Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. And we are here today to talk about season two, episode 25, Bread and Circuses, or as I like to call it, the bad television that we make. <laughs> 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 Present echoes through eternity. <laughs> You're welcome. So, Bread and Circuses is essentially Gladiator in Space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a reality TV isn't real. Uh... I guess that that is something. Oh, did they have reality television? No, no. back then. My God, it's so prescient. I know. Star it's Trek has taught us everything about the future. the future. Man, they really called that, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they, they, did. they seem to cast it more like a uh, live broadcast, like boxing match kind of thing. <gasps> Wrestling is fixed. Dun dun dun. No. Um. <laughs> this is also another goddamn parallel Earth. It is not just a parallel use Earth. Sorry, everyone is speaking English. <laughs> Spock at one point is like, "Oh wow, everyone's speaking colloquial 20th century." I'm so century upset English. about this because this is weird. Because if he just left it alone, I would have been like, "Fine, fine, they understand it as English. I don't really need the details." I think it's because of the very stupid pun. That wraps up the episode. So if they had said they're talking in ancient Greek or in ancient Roman, the the sun sun mm-hmm. wouldn't have worked. No. So they that, that would have been fine. <laughs> the more Spock pointed out, like, wow, this really is a parallel Earth. The angrier I got. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the point I'm where still we, mad. The point where we rolled into downtown Washington D.C. I was like, oh, we are in for a treat, <laughs> a treat, because at some point. They roll into downtown Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, I'm at the other end of the living room just drumming my fingers angrily on the arm of the couch. I was so pleased by all of this. <laughs> this is a great episode. Oh, no, uh, it is not. It, it 100% is. This episode is actually written in some parts as a parody of modern television industry. There's a point yeah. where they actually talk about how ratings are tough. Yeah. And yeah. if they don't pick them up, they're going to get canceled. Tongue, cheek, cheek, tongue. Um, So it's all about making television and doing flashy things to make sure that you stay on television and how a Technicolor spectacular. Yeah. I really love that. You're going to get 15 whole minutes from the broadcast. In color. I know. Yeah. That's that the manliest way to die. <laughs> and he looks so, so bummed when Kirk's like, Oh, what now? It's <laughs> like, you don't understand how special this is, but I'm doing you a biggie here. <laughs> I love this episode because it has, like, arbitrary, like, manly men tele- tie on television, like, men. <laughs> and you... The word men and man <laughs> get used so much in the latter third of this episode, it lost nothing. all meaning. <laughs> I feel like we should just pull out the, like, what is it, that stupid Charlie Sheen sitcom with the... Men, 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 Reasons that I can't understand. It does not. I mean, part of it, I think, is that he basically is a giant cowardly traitor who basically, like, well, he basically gave up his crew to be sacrificed on live television in the interest of ratings to support this other guy. But we'll get to that because it's really interesting. The the thing that this episode did for me was (laughs) it was a lot of Hunger Games parallels. Yes. In the, like... Faux Roman names and like the whole aspect of like televised fighting for death is spectacle. Death is spectacle. But it didn't, if that had been what the episode was about, it would have been a lot better, but it really wasn't. No, it was quite confused actually as to its. If there, it gets thrown a lot of curves, as Kirk says later. (laughs) I, I do like the idea. Again, The Hunger Games does this. Um, any kind of the, the, the 
phrase that Bread and Circus is from is from Juvenile when they're talking about how to please the people, how to placate the people, how to gain your self-powers, give them bread, so give them food and give them entertainment. And entertainment is the opiate of the masses. Yes, so yes. I, I feel like there is some slight commentary going on. But they took, they had like two, like Star Trek does, they had too much stuff going on yeah. in one episode. And you know how you can tell? Because this, this is a Gene Roddenberry episode. The Gene Roddenberry and Gene Kuhn. Yeah, I feel like this is one where I think Gene Roddenberry came downstairs and was like, Hey, hey, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing here? Not enough social commentary. Not enough social commentary and making fun of NBC. And couldn't be stopped. No. Who was it who walked up and went, I'm just going to drop some Jesus over here? <laughs> Pretty sure it wasn't Roddenberry. Yeah, the cherry on top of this crap cake is Jesus. <laughs> He is like the candle on top of a one birthday party. Uh, anyone else feel like that came out of Fucking nowhere? nowhere? Yeah. No, I thought they were telegraphing it from the first time they said... The sun. The yeah. sun. As soon as they thought, oh, well, the sun is Jesus. Like, yeah. obviously. On my third page of notes, basically, as soon as they start talking about the sun, I'm like, oh, the sun is Jesus. Yes, especially since they, have, they put so much legwork into making sure, like, this is a parallel earth. Borg. Totally the same, except Borg. that the Roman Empire has survived. And for some reason built all the same buildings that the American revolutionaries did. <laughs> so angry. And I've listened now to a uh, quarter, three quarters of the Hamilton soundtrack. I know it wasn't like that. <laughs> so the other thing that makes me really angry is the fact that we get like five more of the usual sort of red flags at the very beginning of the episode that this is going to go really poorly and no well, one Of course notices. it is. So number one, there's a missing ship. The SS Beagle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, the captain is a friend of Kirk's. He's definitely gone evil. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that was actually... Uh, number three, space debris. Guys. Well, okay, so th- I'm a little bit confused as to the timelines. The SS Beagle has been MIA for six years? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Just Every- like the last ship that we saw that had been missing for five years? God, they really need to keep a lot better track of yeah. where their ships are going. Yep. So... Now, it's also, this isn't a Starfleet ship, it's a merchant service ship. Yes. The episode starts with everyone silently just watching Spock look at a thing. Mm-hmm. No Which one is looking at their consoles. It was a weird opening. watching like Spock. Okay. Everybody's watching something. We'll just watch Spock's butt as he figures this out. I guess. We're also given the information that uh, Captain Merrick washed out of the Academy. After five years. After five years years. Yeah. They say he dropped out, and we learned later because he failed a psych test? Now, yeah. the psych test, I think. Which one? Well, the, the they one just that, say... You're not talking about the one that Wesley Crusher had to take before he got admitted. No. No. Was it the Kobayashi Maru? Is it no, that's, no, that's a, psych a different test. test. There's, there's, Because it's different for everybody, right? That the, the psych test. It's okay. referenced over and over throughout the franchise. I mean, a lot in Next Gen, but like the dreaded psych test is like the last thing you have to do before you graduate. And it basically is. It, it's a test. It's a isn't test. It? Yeah. But it, when the one time we actually see it um, is in next gen and it's like a virtual reality sort of scenario where okay. part of it is, I don't, I think it was a sim, it's a simulated like disaster and you have to like make a decision. Oh, because Deanna does it. Yeah, yeah. That's no, yeah, but that's what Deanna is taking in order to move up that's to the, the rank command. of lieutenant commander. But the, but the academy has the psych test and it's mentioned oh. a couple of times in an original series and several times in next gen. And when we see it in um, next gen, um, it's that you have to make a command decision in a disaster situation that means possibly sacrificing one person to save another person. Well, here's that's, the deal. That's this, Deanna this, Troy's yeah. command No, I'm thinking of the, the, the simulated one that Wesley takes at the Academy. Is, he takes that before he gets into the Academy, and that's about him confronting his fears over his father's Well, maybe death. they changed the curriculum, but it's the only <laughs> time... The, the only time we hear a psychological test mentioned later on is the psych test, and it's this big, dreaded, scary So thing. here's the thing. The Captain Merrick sacrificed everyone. Yeah, but yeah. to save himself. I don't understand. I, okay, when we get there, we're going to have to go through this, because I honestly could not track the logic of why he there was everyone It's because down. there was no logic. There was the no whole, logic. The entire thing. Yeah, because he wanted... We'll get to it. Because there's no getting... Oh, it was prime directive crap. Yeah. But it made no sense. No, it didn't. Especially since after two minutes of beaming down on that planet, Kirk violates the prime directive. Kirk? violates the prime directive as he's saying 
Okay, guys, don't <laughs> violate the Prime Directive. Okay, question. Yes, Was Kim. this episode filmed earlier? Is this airing out of sequence? Because A, Kirk is wearing his green wraparound, which we haven't yeah. seen for a while. And it's really not flattering. No, it puts a little bit too much emphasis on his middle, which is not his finest feature. No. Um, and then the other reason I was wondering is because we've had, like, in the last little while, I feel like we've had a lot of parallel Earth episodes. <laughs> and yeah. this one... It felt like a setup for that because they actually had like, ah, parallel earth. There's a theory with a name, which is bullshit. And I looked it up on memory alpha and it's still bullshit. Mm. But like, was so was this filmed out of, is this aired out of filming order? I stopped even trying to figure that I, out. I think they kind of filmed them in giant blocks. Yeah. Because it also had the really intense Kirk narrates what we've just seen voiceovers in guys of logs we haven't had for a little I while. I think it might have been filmed a little bit earlier, but honestly not that much of a difference. Like, okay. I don't think they actually had someone looking through the scripts going, geez, Marie's, we've done a lot of parallel Earths because they're always doing parallel Earths. Yeah. yeah. Like, always, always, always. They do tend to repeat themselves quite a bit. A lot. Yeah, like, people as gods, people getting special powers. Yeah. Like, well, the, the Memory Alpha thing said they came up with the parallel Earths things to cut down on production costs so that they yes. could do reuse sets and everything, which I mean, fair, because they were constantly on the brink of cancellation. You could still reuse sets without making it parallel Earths. And we, we have seen them do really good episodes um, using the... Enterprise sets. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like this one was probably quite cheap because they used all the costumes that they just had on the Paramount lot. Like, yeah. some of these costumes are from Cecil B. DeMille shows and... Roman Centurion. Roman Centurions, and there's not a lot of set dressing, and you actually don't need to do that much because you can just film the people filming the people. Yeah. So it makes it a really cheap show. <laughs> and, I mean, they did some interesting things with it. I thought, actually, the weird fake background and, like, the applause-o-meter and the boo-o-meter were quite funny. Yeah. But again, it, it, this is a weird episode where it's supposed to be serious, but also, like, satire. And I think the satire works, and then the seriousness is kind of a weird icing on top Extremely of the Extremely confused. Cake. At best. It is. So it is. we get a quick survey of the planet from orbit, and there's, like, you know, it's a very Earth-like planet. There's large cities. It's They're very Earth-like. It's exactly It's exactly Earth-like. Earth-like. But I liked that uh, Spock made a point of saying, an excellent system of roads. I was like, <laughs> oh no, Nazis again? <laughs> Well, no, I immediately went, oh, right, Rome, except I already knew this was the episode with Rome, and I'm like, I see what you did there. I didn't, and I was like, oh, no, we're going back to Nazis, because everyone says one thing about Nazis is that they didn't know how to build a road. And then Uhura turns on the TV. Yes. <laughs> Which I liked, because it was clearly, it was very tongue-in-cheek, like, this is what television is like kind of thing. Yeah. We get a little news report, and we find out there's been a rash of slave revolts. This is really the only important thing we get from this broadcast, except, you know, the sort of Roman names sprinkled in here or there, here and there, and we get, well, there's this this baffling rash of slave revolts, and these these well-treated, intelligent slaves, who could imagine why they're revolting, and we get this long, lingering, uncomfortable shot on Uhura's face while this is happening. Like, oh, settle. Uh, I thought that that was very interesting yeah. like it was a little bit of the civil disobedience stuff and also mm-hmm. i felt like we were definitely going into spartacus territory oh yeah definitely <laughs> like, definitely 100 for sure and i was surprised that no one stood up and said that they were spartacus and it was slightly so many opportunities also where's your messiah now <laughs> which i actually don't know is a line from spartacus i just think it is i watched that entire movie waiting for that line all all I know about Spartacus, I learned from watching Clueless. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and Clueless, one of the characters likes Spartacus, and they watch part of it inside the movie. And that's basically my running knowledge of Spartacus. Okay. Are you for sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Okay. The other uh, piece of information we get is that one of the... They, they talk... They do a little bit, like, clips. Like, this is a, sort of a newsreel. Like, a little clips of the the arena and, like, yeah. the latest wins. And they talk about it like they're giving you baseball scores. Yeah. But one of the names that we get, one of the, the slaves fighting in the arena, like, one of the favorites or one of the just defeateds is the name of one of the members of the crew of the lost ship. Yeah. Like, oh, shit, that's probably bad. So the first thing they do after getting that information is, my God, we gotta beam down immediately! Absolutely. In our, you know, uniforms. With our weapons. With our weapons. And and communication devices strapped to us. Casually dangled off of our hips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Think, again, if you're thinking about the Prime Directive, why not costume it up a little bit? Like, 
you know what people are dressing like because you have actually seen television footage yeah. of yeah. what they are wearing, the, and yet we make a decision. The really frustrating thing is the inconsistency because sometimes they do do that. It's like, why not this mm. time where you have actual images and you know a little bit about this culture and you're not even going to, like, change your clothes? I think it was mostly for the really funny visual of them, like, skipping down Velasquez Rock. So they beam <laughs> down to the very tippity top of a mountain and have to gingerly walk their way down. Yeah. And what had to be my favorite sequence of the entire <laughs> Because the actors look very uncomfortable, like, oh, God, how are we going to get down? And then Kirk's like, ah, I just got to run for it. Um, My favorite yeah. detail of this is that there's two moons. Yes! Yeah. I was, thought that was very subtle and very good. Yeah, I loved it. It was great. My favorite detail is that as they're skipping down the mountain, Kirk says, well, I can't remember who actually says it, but they're like, so we don't know anything about this planet. Incorrect. And so the, the prime director is in, is in full force, right? And they give a brief <laughs> rundown. This is the first time we've actually had an explicit rundown of what the prime director entails. And I'm not going to read it out, but it's basically like, you know, don't, don't interfere. interfere. Um, and then immediately, okay, so then we hear gunshots. Which I was quite surprised. There is a bit before where McCoy's like, God damn it, just once. I wish I could abuse the Prime Director. And Joe, behold, I am the angel Gabriel. (laughs) So how the hell did McCoy pass the psycho (laughs) out? My notes for this say, they review the Prime Directive while wearing their uniforms and carrying technology. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's not going to contaminate nothing, guys. No, definitely not. There's also a part, like, after the gunshot where they're kind of scanning the horizon to see where it was, and I couldn't actually see any people, and for a moment, a moment, I was like, did the rock shoot at <laughs> Did the rock do it? This is also the first time that Spock makes a point of saying, oh, they're speaking English, 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 they're speaking English, English. Oh, and I started to get really angry. Totally fair. Totally fair. So it's and the slaves some, wearing some dudes gym wearing sweatpants. Outfits. They're just yeah. wearing sweatshirts and like... I don't, I don't know if they're actually, like, sweat material or just gray, but, like, it pants well, and, like, cut-off gym, like, okay, gym yeah. shorts. Short Ladies. shorts. Oh, God! is wearing a gray sweatshirt, cut-off gray short shorts, yes. and uh, flip-flops. Whatever yeah. his name is, we're calling him short shorts, because I couldn't okay. concentrate above those short shorts. Well, at no point during the rest like of the episode, he came from a, a bro gym. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Especially because they all have, like, the insignia the of chain. the chains on. The chain links along the neckline. Yes. Bless their heart. Oh, my God. God, this is insane. Kirk tries to explain where he's coming from. He's like, I'm from another province, which I'm sure was supposed to be like a Roman thing, but I'm choosing to believe it was Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) I am confident it was meant to be a Roman thing, but you do Ukraine. I will. So uh, Spock will not shut up about these fucking parallels, Um, but they get taken back to the camp to the leader whose name is Septimus. Yes. And Septimus is like, no, no, Flavius, no short shorts. You can't kill them. We have our way is peace. Yes. And Carl's like, oh, oh, we love peace. We're all about peace. We're children of the sun. This was the other kind of interesting thing for me that would have been more interesting if they had done more with it was the religions, like brotherhood, peace, no fighting. And Flavius short shorts. Yes. His struggle with violence. The yes. pacifism. That thing. would have been an interesting episode. Yeah. Strong agree. Also, where they keep saying, well, we're the children of the sun. And Kirk's like, well, we represent many beliefs. Yeah. And the kind of religious tension between that I would have found interesting. Mm-hmm. Because after that, he immediately starts talking about how he's from space. <laughs> well, no. First, okay, what he first says is that they are from a ship out at sea. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, your ship out at sea and then your magic space radio. Well, okay, 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 okay. So mm-hmm. I had the same note and then I sat for another 45 minutes really thinking about this. First, he's like, what do you think about the stars. And he's like, oh, they're just the stars. You don't think things come from the stars? No. Okay, then our ship is in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes on the, the communicator to be like, to, sh- to prove, I don't know He gets the ship what. to scan, to figure out how like, many people there yeah. are. So he, he radios them to prove, and I was like, that sounds like bullshit. And then I was like, wait a minute. If they're supposed to be, like, 1960s technology, they're not atomic yet, but technically they might have radar, and they do yeah. have television, so they do have radio. So you know what? I'm actually going to give... I actually, yeah. I wrote down probably Breaks the Prime Directive, but I actually agree. Yeah. Technically, like, yeah. yeah, they could have figured that out. It would have been, like, <laughs> it's a little impressive, because Septimus is impressed. He's like, you yeah. tell them, you tell me that the, the, the Romans have technology like that. I'm like, yeah. they could, but it would be crazy, super advanced, like, Black Ops Project But it's not outside of the realm no, of possibility. It's not impossible. 
if he had talked about the atomic bomb, that would have been a yeah. problem. But I actually felt like I could give this to I could give this to Kirk. Yeah. I Very marginally, but I still think they're breaking the prime directive. <laughs> I'm <laughs> definitely skating Agreed. on the edge. Because immediately Kirk starts monologuing into what to whom about how they're runaway slaves in caves. This cave is one of the most famous caves on television. It is the Bat Cave. Is yeah. it really? It is. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Too. I'm sad we didn't see any labels about where they were. Too true. I know. Uh, so this segment here, where Kirk just voiceover recaps everything we just watched. Yes. Why? Because it was back from a commercial and the people who were just tuning in needed to know what had just happened. Fuck them. That you was tune the, in on time. That is the main reason that he does this. It took me yeah. a while. Like, oh, they always have them right after commercial breaks. Yeah, That's why. Just to catch you back because up. Because there was no way to go back and rewatch. There was no, like, pause and replay. There was no going. Yeah. It's like when you watch television shows on Netflix now that were filmed in the 80s and the 90s. And yeah. there's, there's the, the commercial, commercial break, break. And then they recap, like, a minute mm-hmm. of what just what happened. happened. And you're like, oh, no, no, Oh, because oh. if you're watching, it might have been like seven minutes where you went and got yourself a sandwich yeah. and come back, and it's just kind of it's bringing funny you back into the story. Because it's not like we haven't lived during a time when you yeah you, you sat down, you watched it, and if you left, you missed it, and that was it. You yeah. may never see yeah. it again. Well, yeah, and like, but it's so foreign now. It it just seems to me really weird because like I remember watching stuff like I didn't have a VC, like even a VCR in my house until I was probably like ten years old. So we're talking like into the early nineties, and like you sat in front of the TV and you watched and you turned in on time and you maybe turned the TV on five minutes early. Yeah, but that was the 90s, right? So no, this is the 80s. Fine, but in, this is the 60s when basically it was still relatively new and not everybody even had a television. So it was People like... People had to figure out yeah. what time to watch things with a TV guide yeah. that they bought. And nothing else. Wild. She's going to now say that she sus- still used it. I still TV had a guide. subscription to TV Guide until I canceled my cable in 2011. Yeah, Kim, but that's because you're a Luddite. Oh, boy. How else are you supposed to figure out what's on TV? The Look internet. on the internet. So Anyway. No. So Kirk is, like, slagging off about their primitive conditions. They do have magazines, however. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. He's just like, oh, look. A magazine. <laughs> a nice uh, magazine rack where we take our magazines. Yeah. This is where he also mentions Hod- Hodkin's Law. Hodgkin's Law. Hodgkin's Law of Parallel, parallel Planet th- Development. Okay, is- I'm sorry. I'm going to just summarize my opinion of this entire thing like so. It's a choice that they made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went and looked up the Memory Alpha thingy. Yes. Is that where you are now? Or you were? No, well? no. Oh, okay. Um, apparently, it also showed up in Enterprise, which is where they flushed it out. Oh. And I normally... I'm an apologist for Enterprise. The only Not one. in this case. Not this time. Fuck you, writers. This is bullshit. <laughs> it is bullshit. This is lazy, How lazy, dare lazy, you give this any credit. I know, I know. It's, ugh. Yeah. It was bullshit yeah. and ridiculous. The, the magazine, however, is full of ads, ads for things named after Roman and stolen by Rome gods. Love it! I the Jupiter really 8 that. car, yeah. Mars toothpaste, Neptune bath salts. Yeah. yeah. Love it! And uh, Septimus... Septimus Maximus, whatever his name is, he was apparently a senator who heard the word of the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, does that mean there's two Jesuses? No. There's Earth Jesus and this planet Jesus? They're not the same. Oh, there there's is two, two Jesuses. Jesus. There is two Jesuses. So, son of a bitch, this is actually quite controversial. Because <laughs> it's not the same Jesus. Well, yeah. Bopping up and different The thing places. is, they actually... They did it quite cannily, like, the, the the really diehard, like, the people who had a problem with them talking about Oblivion, the, like, those people, could have totally looked at this and gone, oh, our Jesus went to this planet, too. So in you his, had a sort of... his Jesus rocket. Yeah, absolutely. But, like, you, th- there was that sort of, like, built-in sort of, like, no, 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 that's definitely what we meant. So you mean, like, the Mormon thing where they think Jesus came out and hung out in America for a while? Uh, if America, then why not a, why not space? Okay, fair point. Right? But on my interpretation is that there there's more two than one. Jesus. Yes. In the, like the, the Pratchettian interpretation yeah. of God. He gods. did die for three days. Maybe it was just vacation. So mm. he his three days he vacationed to planet four. <laughs> <laughs> Spread the word, made everyone a brother. Okay. And then peaced out back home. Too true. Yeah. So so when his fellow senators heard that he'd converted, they made him a slave. Nice. Um, and apparently Maricus, he talks, oh, yeah, cause he he talks crap about, about Maricus. Because he's trying to figure out if anybody heard anything about the crew of the Beagle. Yeah. Okay. It's like, oh, Every- do you mean Maricus the Butcher? 
Chris, like, no different Merrick. Every time they said Merrickus, in my head, I heard the South Park, Merrickus. Because <laughs> he is like America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here mm-hmm. I wrote, oh shit, again. Why? Question mark, question mark. Why do they keep having the captains or people in charge go crazy and turn into, like, evil dictators? I think it's because that it, you being in command, you're always a knife blade away from becoming a crazy dictator. Unless you're James Kirk. Yes. Because, you know, you are in command over life and death. You're under tremendous amounts of pressure, both from the people within your ship and Starfleet giving you orders to do sometimes impossible things, that it would become very easy to abuse that power. And we know the power corrupts, as we've seen in all of this. So I, I get why they break. I think that's part of the interesting thing about the captain. However... This is like seven in a row. This well, this guy broke and became Lord of the Games. <laughs> yeah. Yup. Yeah. That's a pretty big goddamn jump. Well, the, he did get kicked out of the academy after failing his psycho evaluation test. I'm assuming for that they obvious reasons. have said that he wanted to be a Roman emperor a little bit too much. Well, I, I honestly, given the choice, ladies. Would you become a Roman emperor? It depends what period of the empire. They got killed a lot. Yes, yeah, they did. That's if, what I'm if saying. The British History Podcast has taught me one thing. <laughs> right? It's that those Romans were murdered a lot. They even have theme music that's for true. a Roman emperor, like Roman praetors dying. Yep. No. The, yeah. Except for about, there's like a period of like 80 years, yeah, that everybody knows as the period that all the Roman empire emperors died. For like 300 years before that, though, you're pretty safe. And there are even a couple of female emperors. So it totally depends what period. You do get to have sex with horses, so there is that. Yeah. In what universe is that a bonus? Well, we have no only in the Norse idea. pantheon. <laughs> and if you're Catherine the Great. Yeah. So Spock keeps going, well, it's illogical. There is no sun. The Roman had no sun And here we paused it to sort of argue about, okay, but how about Helios slash Apollo, guys? What about Apollo? Yeah. No, Jesus. <laughs> I hear you there, kid. Like, okay, but Spock, I know you know that's factually incorrect. They definitely had. They sun definitely. Gods. They, they definitely had multiple did. sun gods. They had yes. a gen- because what Rome did is they would have a religion that would be the state religion, and they'd go in and they'd invade somewhere, and they'd be like, "Hey, this one's cool. Let's adopt it." And then it would sort of either get added to their giant, terrifying pantheon or get layered over one of their existing. They were very adaptable. The Romans. My yes. favorite one is the guy who was the sun, but the sun was a chariot driven by flaming horses, and that's the sun. They go across the sky every day. Mm-hmm. Apollo. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's a good one. He also had a problem getting with the ladies. They kept turning into trees. Oh, to yeah. get away from him. To get away from him. Oh, shit, Apollo's Instead of coming. just oh. swiping left, they turn yeah. themselves into trees. Permanently. <laughs> one way to deal with it's it. one way. Permanently. So uh, yeah. they're going to go back into town to kind of check out the, the stitch, if you will. And Shorty Shorts is going to guide them. Mm-hmm. And They make it about five minutes into the woods. <laughs> yeah, but I would like to stop here and say that everyone gets into their workout gear. Chandler yeah. looks good! It's actually a pretty good look for him. And I hate sweatpants. I essentially think of sweatpants as giving up on life. Oh, agree. Yes, yeah, strong agree. But there's like that that very, that very sort of cut-off sweatshirt thing yeah, yeah, is yeah, meant yeah. to, like, we have an association, apart from like the objective attractiveness of the look on everyone, mm-hmm. we have an association that's like, oh, your arms look great in that. It's... They do. They look so really good. No, unless you're like in a trailer covered in beans. Okay, Yes. But I have than lost that. the thread of this conversation, apparently. <laughs> well, what? I, I if think you're in a trailer covered in beans, you're not very attractive. That's very specific. You're welcome. Shadow looks good in this. Like, the kind of... Actually, everyone looks good in this. They look casual. They mm-hmm. look relaxed. Much easier to, like, trap these down a mountain. They look athletic. Yes. Yes, they do. Um, Which I like. I like Spock gets a beanie. Spock little hat. Spock gets a knitted beanie. He does. Which actually, I was looking at the pattern. Isn't quite nice. Yeah. There's some kind of um, Aaron like mm-hmm. knitwork mm-hmm. there that I thought was quite neat. Mm-hmm. They're walking down, and Flavius Maximus Shorty Shorts is talking about his life, where he was Russell Crowe in a previous incarnation. Perhaps you've heard of me. <laughs> yeah. No. And they're like, no, not even slightly. He was the best gladiator that ever gladiated. And until he heard the words of peace and freedom and decided to give that up, all up for a glamorous existence of wearing sweatpants. Okay, and now I have... And living in And here I had an angry aside. I'm like, okay, but the Roman Empire only survived as long as it did because 
of forcible mass conversion to Christianity. So the person who wrote this episode and wrote all the Christian stuff got all of their Roman history from the Christian Bible, and I'm still really angry. No, about decline it. and fall of the Roman Empire stipulates essentially that dependence on slavery and overextending your empire and Christianity actually weakened the foundation of the ultimately Roman yes, but conversion over time actually it stabilized it again for a period it just it didn't happen it it didn't happen the way that because he's talking about like oh well because they're like well how long has you know the sun been around and he's like oh well probably since the beginning of the empire and i'm like no just no i wrote no four times well it's it's kind of like that underground christian persecution period i think it waxed and waned yeah it came and went it wasn't like a secret underground no it was secret underground not for a huge chunk, though. Well, we don't know. I think that they, the the games, the gladiatorial games, have been going on mm. for far longer than yeah. than the sun far, has been around. Um, and then we're having this little chat, and Flavius is like, "I'm never going back." At which point, there's the cops find <laughs> it's the fuzz. Yeah, <laughs> there's machine gun action, and Flavius is going back there. Now, I found the costumes in this interesting. I know I'm stepping on Kim's toes here, but. Because later on, we have straight up, like, Roman centurion outfits. Yeah. But these cops are dressed like 60s cops that you see a lot in, like, civil rights videos. They were wearing, like, sort of, like, I think they were, like, tan uniforms. The, the, the light jackets. Yeah, the yeah, light jackets. Yeah. And Nazi then, boots, for yeah. sure. And then they, um, the lower peony ones had, like, white turtlenecks. And yeah. the higher ranking ones had red turtlenecks. Yeah. yeah. They were wearing white helmets with chin, like, very pronounced chin straps. Like, yeah. pith helmets? Oh, no, they were like they were like motorcycle right. helmets. No, they right. kind of look right like here? stormtrooper light okay. with giant chin straps. But they're yeah. reminiscent of the the sort of American cops you would see in like you know well known foot like news footage of protests in the '60s, which I think was deliberate. Sure, I mean they they evoke. They probably what was lying around, honestly. That to be too. unfair, yes. Yes, absolutely. And Shatner at this moment, because we're about to break for commercial, almost looks straight into the camera, Jim on the office style, and goes, what is my career? <laughs> at which point, we're whisked away to Washington, D.C., dressed up in... No way whatsoever. Yeah, it is get, stock footage. We of get Washington, a montage DC. of like every DC slash LA building that happens to have columns. Well, there's Congress. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> there's a library that I think is in LA. Yeah, it's like it's stock footage of every building. It's Washington DC, and I think Chunks it might it, yeah. be the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Wait, Roman Lincoln? Roman Roman Lincoln. <laughs> that is something I would like to read. Uh, yeah, and there's definitely secret prisons there. Oh, yeah. So yeah. they're all going Ooh. to be made into arena bait. One thing I wanted to note here is when they're being arrested by the police and they whip off Spock's hat because yes. these guys are not dumb and notice immediately that the hat <laughs> is covering something. Um, they call them barbarians. Mm-hmm. Yes, which we kind of link it back to, oh, the barbarians are the people who come from space and they're about to get killed. Well, mm-hmm. that sucks. So they're getting put into sexy prison and Jim's like, tell them, tell Mercus that Jim Kirk is here. And they're like, oh, I don't care. And he looks sexually concerned, like, he'll know what it means. <laughs> Ooh. Very right, and we get we get a little uh, info dump here where Kirk's like, okay, but slavery, surely you guys have always rebelled because he understands nothing about slavery. Um, and Plagueis is like, no, no, no. Instead, they gave us benefits in a retirement package. Okay, if this was a very subtle social commentary, I actually buy this. So the rebellions were suppressed, and after a while, the people thought, well, we'll just give you more rights. So you have rights to medicine, Mm -hmm. and you get a pension. And so people were content, and slavery instead turned into the institution. So you're free, but you're not, you're free in a way, you have the nice things in life that you would ask for, but you're not free because slavery itself is built into the governmental institutions mm-hmm. and a way of life and if you're making a social commentary on america i actually think yeah this works. I, yeah i think that yeah. one actually did work that yeah. one's very good it was the like, only one that came through you are allowed to vote if you can prove that you can read and write and do certain things mm-hmm. and you are allowed to have work although you probably won't get the jobs that you deserve and relevant to now you know if you can get one of these difficult to obtain forms of id yeah so it's it's not it's it's slavery and everything, well, how to say, the stratification of slavery and everything, but but name and ownership. So I thought that was very, very interesting. And the evolution of slavery into different forms of institutions. Yes. 
So I thought that that was actually quite interesting, mm-hmm. especially considering when this episode was. And again, made. if they had picked this message and stuck with it, this would have been a much better episode. But this was not about the slavery. This is not about this. So there's a little bit of thing about like man, men must live to fight. All men are relevant. Blah blah. Manly men, 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 and so. The guys come back, the bad guys, the jackboots, come to talk to them, and they're like, ooh, it's three against three, we gotta, gotta fight these guys in escape. <laughs> this is so dumb. This is amazing. <laughs> McCoy cannot read a room. No! no! Once again, <sighs> he fails to clue in on the plan as people are explaining it I to mean, him. I mean, he actually mm-hmm. got on board better on this one than he has in previous situations. Oh, no, he didn't. Because Kirk's like, oh, you're ill, and he's like, no, I'm not! You're gonna fall over soon! Shut up! No! And then he does, but it's obviously too late because no. he's telegraphed so clearly. I always like when um, the villains are canny and on to the yeah. most obvious ploys because Maricus is there and he's like, that was that was a B for effort. Yeah. yeah. B for effort. They've been handling slaves here for 2,000 years. And then he actually says, don't judge me before you know all the facts. And Kirk's like, oh, I'll judge you. <laughs> I think that anyone who's wholeheartedly ingrained themselves into a system that involves slavery so does not deserve yeah. an explanation period merrick takes them to his boudoir yes! <laughs> they've also got the pro council who oh this guy i loved He's this so guy hateable. was amazing i had to stop and check myself and say that no this is not the guy who plays mr collins and the- <laughs> Pride and Prejudice, because it's like, no, no, he's way too young, like, that actor's way too young for this, but, like, that's who he reminded me, and I'm yeah. completely blanking on the actor's name right now. But that guy. But that guy. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so this guy, his father was actually a naval officer who re- made history after sending the message, air raid Pearl Harbor, this is no drill. Whoa. Oh. So. And then his son became an actor. And then his son became <laughs> Tiny Nero. Um... I found this actor amazing. Yeah. I love I hated him so everything much. Everything about this performance, that he's so with it, and so just like, I'm a Roman, and everything that it means to be a Roman. We cannot be defeated. We love power, we know how things are done, and we're going to win, and there's very little that you can do about it. Because we're Rome. Because we're Rome. I love I think this guy actually boned up on his Roman history before playing this part. Okay, fact. You know how he's got a little... Okay, Kim, let's talk about his shirt first. Oh, he was wearing a shirt. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying that much attention to his (gasps) outfit. He was just clothes. Okay, there was a lot of brocade. (laughs) It was so shiny, but he's wearing a little pin on his lapel. You would think that that crest would be something Roman-related or, like, (laughs) oh, no, it is the crest of William Shakespeare. (laughs) Wow. So, Roman William Shakespeare. Roman William Shakespeare. Could you go with our Roman Lincoln? His boudoir. Yes, his boudoir is covered with a zebra and animal skins on the floor. Purple lighting. His bed is in the same room as where he is eating. Disgusting. There are many pyres with fire around, and there's a nice low table, no vomitoriums. Oh. So, so apparently, uh, the all the little braziers and yes. pyres, and some of them are on little tables up against the walls. Yes, altars. Oh, because Rome, so thousands of gods, personal household gods. Not everyone worships the same gods. And you'd have altars in your home. I love this. So they yeah. sit down for like a wine and dine. <laughs> With this guy who's going to just lay down what it's all going to be about. So he is serving them sparrows. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some roast kid. (laughs) Amazing. I love this guy. (laughs) Took me a minute to realize goat, not children. (laughs) You can never tell with. So we get the story from Merrick of what happened because Kirk's like Kirk just keeps asking what happened to your crew. No, what happened to your crew? Please explain yourself. And Merrick's like, well, we were damaged, and I came down here to look for parts, and then I met this guy, and and then I decided, you know what? It's way cooler to be a Roman emperor than a captain of a ship. So I sold my crew into slavery. Well, okay, I want to go into this. So he gets beamed. Down, the proconsul kind of figures him out by just looking at him going, oh, you're from space. And, and oh, what's weak. this prime directive thing? 
Okay, good. The the justification here was that they were convinced to consi- convinced to stay to prevent contamination of the culture, which is completely backwards, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's complete nonsense. He should it's have left bullshit. immediately. It makes well, no sense. He decides. I think he decides to stay and become a Roman full heartedly, mm-hmm. absolutely one hundred. Because he wants to Roman be powerful and rich. I don't know that he wants to be powerful. He clearly or rich. does. Is that he didn't, he figured he violated the prime directive enough by letting the proconsul in on the idea. So he's just going to keep it contained to him and then, and then the proconsul uses this relationship of, well, you could be violating the prime directive if you don't do what I say. So he's also stupid as well as greedy and weak. He's very, very stupid. Because the way Kirk is clearly reading it is, you wanted to be an emperor, so you sold your crew. Because Kirk keeps going... Seriously, no. Where the fuck is your crew? And he's like, well, you know, the people who could adapt did, and the ones who didn't are dead. They're, Slash yeah. slaves. Well, no, they died in the gladiatorial game. Well, there's at least one still alive. We know that there must be a couple of these crew hanging around that adapted to the, the Roman way of life. So we're stuck here, so either you're going to become a Roman, who apparently they have not had war for 400 years. They he keeps escaped the trotting that out like it's a justification wars. for what he's done. Yeah. He keeps kind of going on about how good it was. And so I see why he failed the psych test. Kirk essentially just does bullet points with exclamation points of slavery, despotism, gladiatorial games. <laughs> <laughs> and P.S. Where's your crew? Yeah. And essentially the proconsul has been manipulating him into, I think they must have brought everyone, they sent them down a bit at a time. How was the crew this stupid? Yeah, why wouldn't you just why stay up there? Why would you agree to this? And because for some reason idea. this worked with Merrick, he is completely confident it will work with Kirk. Because he's like, oh yeah, so it worked with this guy, they'll just come down a few at a time. Or, you know, we'll threaten you with the lives of Bones and Spock, and that will definitely this, leverage you into doing it. It's like, no, that will absolutely never leverage him into doing that. This was the most ridiculous part of the yeah. episode, is the proconsul being like to Kirk, I have you at gunpoint, you're a hostage, unless you want your two crewmen to die, you'll beam down all 400 people on your ship because to of- To die. To die because of the prime directive. A, that's a terrible trade. B, it's one that Kirk would never make. And, and C, completely illogical and makes no sense. Except I, that's clearly what happened I with Merrick. Think, no, I think what happened with Merrick is that they went down, they didn't come back, they sent a recon party, and then they sent rescue parties, and the same thing kept happening. Well, then they're the dumbest crew in the universe. Well, no, that is, as uh, as Merrick says, and as the proconsul says, that is Starfleet regulations. Well, that, or, they sent down a couple of parties, but they couldn't get the parts because the only planet nearby was this place, and they couldn't get it from there because they were... You know, they're broken apart, though. Well, no, apparently not. Well, no, because there's debris. Yeah, but I don't know. I think there he were blew the ship. Effects out every. I don't know that he blew the ship. I feel like the. I think he must have. Done, if I was writing, if story, I was writing this episode, the ship is stranded. Apart. Yeah. yeah, but the way he starts the story, the ship is clearly still there and it's in orbit. Because he went down to the planet, and the ship is still up there, and he, he describes luring the rest of the crew down in a few, a little bit at a time. So they didn't crash here. They weren't stranded. They I mean, weren't stranded. They, they were, couldn't get they out. They were stranded in the sense that the, they needed stuff to make the, to fix the ship, but they couldn't get the stuff to fix the ship. Okay, I'm going to go with a much more logical explanation of that the ship was actually falling apart without these these repairs. That would make sense. That would that's the, really the only thing that makes Except sense. I the, really don't want to give him that much credit. No, because we know at the beginning of this episode that that ship is ripped apart and there's only debris. There's Later, nothing left, but it yeah. clearly wasn't at the time. And if you left well, a ship drifting in space, eventually apart. it would be destroyed in the gravity of all the planets. Six years? I don't think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with they couldn't make the repairs. I th- What I think happened, because I think Merrick's a cowardly shithead, I think he beamed down, he saw that he could be an emperor, or he was threatened and in fear of his own personal life, didn't give a shit about his crew, was either threatened or bribed into, getting, into tricking his crew to come down and then blew the ship up. No. That is what I think happened, because this guy's a He did shithead. not blow his ship up. I think he did. No, because once he went down, he never went back up. No, he didn't, but he so could have... So how would he blow his ship up? The other members of his command staff, who probably ended up adapting to Roman life, did it right after they sent the rest of the crew down? No. Je refuse. Mm. Yeah, I, don't, I don't want to give him any credit. I don't want to give him the credit of they couldn't get off the planet anyway. I... F- <sighs> Regardless, he feels like he was an impo- in an impossible situation, and his best mode for survival of himself and for his cute crew was to beam them down to this planet and take their chances. And think- some some adapted, and some didn't. 
Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I feel like it was really unclear as to what happened. And well, Kurt clearly thinks it was a choice. But, we don't We don't actually get a good explanation of no, what happened. No, we Kurt get just bits keeps and pieces. going, my crew, my crew, your, what happened to your crew? And he's like, well, you know, some adapted, some didn't. And the thing is, he's so blasé about it, which makes it seem like he doesn't care. Well, it's the Roman way. And again, we don't get this, we don't get a lot of this, but to be manly in this society is to be stoic and show no emotion or caring about anyone else. Yeah. The other thing that I really don't get is... Like, I literally don't understand. I'm still stuck on this is how the pro council thought this was actually going to be a thing that would work. Because it worked with Merrick. You have to call your crew and tell them to beam down so that you don't break the prime directive. Because Merrick's an idiot. I don't quite understand what the play was there. Yeah. Like, they, why wouldn't they just leave them down there? Or maybe that they, they would expect... Again, if I was writing the episode, the proconsul would expose their technology and the fact that they are from the stars. Yeah, like ah, uh, this is the part. This is the part that was supposed to be sort of the the why the events were happening and et cetera, et cetera. So you don't break the prime directive. But I didn't actually understand how they don't definitively explain. It. I think the better motivation for it was is that if you do not beam your your crew down, I will kill McCoy and Spock which and is, you will have to stand there and watch. Which is a shitty which, wager. It, yeah, it's a, I think it's a that's the other thing is I think it's not a great threat because I think in the grand scheme of things Kirk would be really upset if McCoy and Spock died. But he'd do it. But I think to save the rest of his crew, 400 plus people. Absolutely. Yeah, he would absolutely he would sacrifice abs- And I think yeah. probably he thought it would work because it worked with Merrick. Well, okay, they've got their phasers, and he says, put your phasers down. You might win this battle, like, if you kill us, but you would break the prime directive. And I know that you would rather... I know that you'd rather die than violate it. So I think it had... It's a very specious argument. It makes no sense. And... I don't know. He he doesn't really explain anything that just for whatever reason the proconsul is convinced that if he threatens Kirk with harm or harm to his friends that he'll just fold and do whatever. And even Merrick is like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work because he's not just a captain. He's he, a starship. He's a special captain. Yeah, starship that was, captain. That I think is the part that has me flummoxed is how the proconsul just thought that threats were going to work. It's well, like like you don't know any like he literally you know nothing about Kirk. Your example of a human from Earth is not an example comparable well, I, to I this guy. I think that his his only base of experience is Merrick, and Merrick capitulated. Yeah. So he thinks, well, it's going to be as easy as that to get Kirk to do it. Except as Merrick says, he's much more than a man. He is a commander. But the well, other thing I don't understand is why the Pro Council wants this because it doesn't look like he's incorporated any of the. Federation technology or anything into no. the... Is it just for more slaves? Like, I is yeah. that yes. it? He's he wants, thrilled about getting more bait for the arena. Yes. Bigger and better spectacles. Also, he... Barbarians. And the other thing they talk about is one of the reasons Merrick sort of references that he didn't want the Federation to know this planet was here because they might come and whatever, contaminate. He talks about, oh, it gets so mad about this part. He talks about how, well, they haven't had war in, in 400 years. I decided in, in the end it was more important to keep the balance. And and I wrote down somewhere, it was, it was something like, oh, so you made an executive decision that maintaining the, like, rich white guy privilege was more important than slavery or your crew. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really gross on a number of levels. It wasn't very fleshed out. But the best part is, is that the proconsul throws the communicator is like, okay, tell your ship to beam everyone down. And Kirk just gives him this look like, are you serious? Kirk grins in that beautiful golden boy Apollo <laughs> grin. And is like, hey, Scotty, condition green. And then he get bonks on the head. And holy shit, guys, someone heard me. Code word. <laughs> code word to say, we're in trouble don't come down. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And Scotty is like, they're in trouble, but we're not to interfere. I yeah. hear that message and I understand it. Yep. I was impressed. And then it's like at some point, Scotty's like, let's just scan shit to see what's happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're also going to spook them by turning off the lights. We're going to aggressively watch. Aggressively spook them. Yeah. <laughs> I just like that that was his like, his solution to the problem. We'll turn the lights on and off. That'll get their yes. attention. Did you ever notice how fast like uh, parents when you're having a sleepover when hey. you're a kid? Yeah. <laughs> lights out, go to sleep. I actually, here's where I started noticing how fast this episode was actually moving because we go straight into the arena. Yes! Now, I, wrote, I I didn't take any notes during the fight because I thought it was dull. But Okay, no, I'm going to give you some notes oh, then. Boy. So, they're on a TV set. There is an announcer. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, the city arena is in color. There's some ads. And then we have McCoy and Spock who ca- walk onto the set looking bored. <laughs> really, really, really bored. To be bored. fair, that is his resting face. That's true. And then there the are... The city arena, by the way, is like half of a set. Yes. Like a backdrop. A set. It's very, very small. And... The announcers start, oh, these are barbarians. They're highly aggressive with their strange and ways. And Bones and Spock are just standing there with their arms on their sides looking around, looking confused yes. and bored. Um, and they have two favorites that are going to be battling against them, Achilles and Shorty Shorts. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a weird American Idol type thing because the announcers are saying, this is your program. You name the winner. Yeah. Again, this wasn't flushed out enough, so we really never saw how that <laughs> there's a voting phone, system Okay, works. over to the left, there's a phone the bank. The phone bank? Amazing. Yeah. It's, a it's like that. the end of Hairspray. Oh my god. Amazing, 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 amazing. Yeah. Spock is super aggressive with his sword fighting. McCoy looks at a sword like he doesn't know what it's supposed to <laughs> I do. I really enjoyed McCoy and Flavius, like, fighting with yeah. each other, and like, we have to look like we're fighting, so we'll just kind of like knock swords together. It's and so Flavius is like, this is really shitty. We have to actually convince them we're fighting. You have to defend fighting. yourself. And Bones is like, I am. This is great. He's like, I don't want to injure you. But one of the uh, guy actually dressed up as a Roman screaming at them, if you bring the, if you bring the network ratings down, <laughs> we'll do a special on you yeah. with okay. machine guns. These are the guys in Roman centurion costumes with machine guns. Yeah. Yes. Okay, one thing we do need to talk about here is what the Roman fighters are wearing. Wearing Please. because it is not much. Mini skirts. They're wearing yes, they're wearing little mini skirts that are like thick brown and white stripes, and then like some leather straps over their chest. Yeah. Because and of reasons. That's it. It's they look fabulous, and they've got these great helmets that are sort of like you can big see round face. metal helmets with like. A, like a lattice face guard that covers the whole thing. probably made it easier for the stunt doubles. It took me a million years to figure out that that was shorty shorts. Because <laughs> uh, I couldn't see their faces. It's it's really good because at this point, Proconsul Kirk and Mercus are sitting on the pavilion having like a manly chat oh, yeah. between men. And this is so great, guys. <laughs> Mercus is feeling kind of sad. He's like, my men were the same way. I hoped that I would feel it less. So he's full of remorse. Uh, Proconsul is like, Romans are always the strongest. We like using men and killing them. Death becomes a familiar pattern. We don't fear it because we're such badasses. And by we, you mean the lower class that you're forced to fight for you and never need to yourself. He's amazing. Proconsul's like, oh, you do not find these games amusing? And for some reason, my note right here (laughs) says that Kirk says, this is fucking folk music. (laughs) (laughs) Have you heard of Klingons? (laughs) Well, he's like, "Uh, no biggie. This is not very interesting. I've picked my nose more entertainingly than this. And so they kind of win, I guess. Well, Spock, I think he, I don't know if he actually kills him, but he knocks the guy out. Yeah. He definitely. And then he just nerve pinches Flavius. Shorty shorts. Yeah. So not good television, but don't worry. If you've got your violence, now is time for your sex. Because Kirk gets put into the proconsul's lair where he's going to get wine and dine by the lady slave. He's. For reasons that are not entirely made no. clear, he is just given free reign of the boudoir. He's a manly man. Her name is Drusilla. Yes. <laughs> yep. And she literally, like, gives him wine and grapes. Is oh, like, yes. let me please you. Tonight I am your slave. And, and then I threw up bone down. Did, was that a dream? No. Okay, I'm just checking, because he wakes up alone, and he's like, whoop, whoop, No, whoop. she got up and left. Her... Her job was done, Corrine. She needed to leave. So Drusilla comes in in what can only be described as an outfit. <laughs> so this is like Princess Leia Light LeMay. It is a golden kite over her chest <laughs> with a collar that goes through her boobs, locked onto her junk, I think is the only way I, I can describe know. that. I I couldn't tell what was I, happening. I didn't know what was happening Mystifying. on the bottom. I was too focused. Honestly, used. focused on her chest. <laughs> Although Kirk actually has this moment because she's like trying to seduce him and he's, he just sort of stands up and yells to the empty room, it won't work, whatever you're trying to do. Except it obviously does. Because well, she's like, are you talking to yourself? Are you? Did they put me in the room with a crazy person? This is all very uncomfortable and yeah. very weird because he definitely has sex with her. Oh yeah, 100%. They have sex. And he doesn't like this is I might as well. Well, yes, and it's like she's a slave, you know she's a slave, and she's being there like, 
my job is to please you. I'm yeah. like, she's literally she has no consent. choice but to sleep with you. And you're like, oh, okay, this is romantic. And then like, makes it's out with her. Romantic. Oh, oh, it's really, like, really gross. Or a romantic. Like you room. know, they sleep together because they like start kissing, and they then the you get out. the pan up. Yeah. So weird. Oh my god. I was really. I honestly thought it was a dream because he wakes up kind of shocked. It is edited kind of weird after that, but I yeah, I, I'm inclined to come down on the oh that is disgusting side. It was very bad. Anyway, literally no one in this in this in this makeout session is capable of consenting. No, so it's just awful. really ugh. back in jail. Back yeah. in jail. Fun. Spock is <laughs> ruggedly, <laughs> ruggedly grasping, <laughs> jerking those bars. He's trying to rip the bars out of the out of the jail cell. Which, yeah. to be fair, has worked before. It's true. Yeah, that's true. So but these were two are. planets ago. McCoy is trying to say, thanks for saving my life. Spock won't have anything. And then uh, DeForest Kelly throws down a fucking acting gauntlet. Yeah. Okay. Yes, DeForest Kelly was very good in this scene. This didn't... This is another one of Bones' baffling monologues about Spock's lack of emotions that I don't understand why they keep putting them in there. Okay, I actually didn't read this one that way. Because the way he does How it, else is there to read it? He's like, you don't have emotions. Fuck you. Well, no. no because usually when he's doing that at this point in the show, mostly he's just doing it to sort of needle him. But the, the little speech he does when they're both sort of down on the floor is sort of like, you're afraid of slipping up. You're always afraid yeah. of slipping up and being too human. And I actually think he's, well, he's totally right. Spock yeah. is always afraid of slipping up and he's... You know, to a point, he's ashamed of being human. Yes. And he's dead on on this, actually. But then he's sort of like, they have this sort of moment where Bones is like, yeah, I miss him too. I'm worried about him too. It was good. I really, really liked this moment. It was kind of, again, Kim, I can agree with you that it's weird to have it here. It is a very strange place. But I thought it was actually quite empathetic of of both of them. Really good performance. Yeah. So, with Kirk, everything is awesome. Yeah. Uh, they make out hardcore. I can't even talk about Let's that. not talk about that anymore. No. I, again, with five question marks, did he dream that? No. Yeah. Uh, the pro consul gives the highest compliment that he thinks he can give, which is, well, if you're not a Roman, you should have been. Yeah. He also tells hey. us, um, sort of drops in there, one of the communicators we took from you is missing. Any ideas about that? Kirk has no ideas about that because he had nothing to do the with it. Pro Council is like really amused. Like, I think maybe Drusilla took it, but who knows? <laughs> Ladies, am I right? The Pro Council wants to have a manly man talk with Kirk and mm-hmm. so says to Maricas, These are man bots that cannot interest you. Yeah. And so Maricas has to go elsewhere. I was. I think the way that they handled the power relationship and, like, the hierarchy between the pro-council mm-hmm. and Maricus was not clear or well-defined. Actually, I, I did get it. It was, like, that, like, you have a lot of privilege, but it's completely contingent on this guy's whims. Yeah, and you showed weakness. And, like, you're, you're a first citizen, you're the first citizen, but are you really a Roman? Which we got... At the end of the episode, but there was nothing about that, I think, in the rest of the episode. I was getting it in every initial conversation where he kept talking about how weak Merrick was and how easy it was to get his crew down. I think also maybe at this time he was kind of sad that he couldn't have Kirk instead of Maricos. Yeah. Even though he knows by now. Kirk is a much manlier man. Because Because he actually tells him. He's like... Yes, he does. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I just need to get this all out. The proconsul is like, well, I gave you your... (laughs) Jesus, fuck. I granted you your last hours as a man. The best manly man way you can spend your time. Fucking a woman. Non-consensually. Non-consensually. But I respect you, so you will die quickly. Yeah, I mean, obviously I have to kill you because I can't bend you to my whim like Merrick. But I definitely gave you, like, the best send-off I could. Screwing a woman and going out in full Full color. favorite part. Uh, so he also says an interesting sort of little, like, though of course you people are so well beyond television. <laughs> we never will be. No. 
So back up on the ship, Scotty's gonna send down an EMP. Okay, sure. I underlined that like six times because Scotty's like, we're gonna frighten them. We're gonna make the lights flicker. We'll disrupt their power sources. And I'm like, like a fucking EMP? Yeah, that could fucking destroy their civilization. But it's it's fine. It's just like to bother them. It's weird, Uh, guys. That's a war crime now. (laughs) (laughs) So Kirk is about to be killed on live studio television, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and. They're going to, like, oh, He also promises him. to kill Bones and Spock quickly. Yeah, swiftly, like men. Yes. You know, as men die. Mm-hmm. And the Roman guy in full Roman is like, well, don't move. You'll only die harder at which point it work. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. And then Kirk, of course, tries something. I had a really hard time because it devolves into a fucking machine gun fight. Yeah. <laughs> With machine guns where a lot of people get machine gunned. Yeah. Yeah. What, really? Machine guns. Yeah. Because really? all the guards, like the guy about to execute Kirk has a sword, but the guards all have machine guns. Yes. And um, we get, it sort of breaks down into to chaos here because the lights flicker and, oh no, Flavius comes in, Shorty Shorts comes in and interrupts Kirk's execution. And oh, that's yeah. when the, that's what triggers the machine gun fights. Kirk gets his hands mm. on a gun. Breaks Bones and Spock out of prison. Using a machine gun. He and then machine guns the lock off the prison. Yeah, because sure, that works. Except, that except works. if you're watching it, he shoots nowhere near Nowhere near. Absolutely nowhere Bless near. Bless his heart. And, he, and they're all like, oh, how, how are you? And he's like, oh, they threw me a few curves, uh, but I'm all Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> and then Merrick comes in and, and it at first looks like he's going to like send... Them, like they're outnumbered, they're going to get caught, they're going to get killed. But yeah. he orders them to switch to swords, and that is so. Yeah, I challenge you to a battle with swords. Yeah, Wing! but then Merrick, surprise, pulls out the communicator, calls the Enterprise, yeah, and says, "Beam them up, beam them up," and then gets stabbed, stabbed to death the by the pro council. Yeah. Again, I love the pro council. I yep. agree with all of his decisions. Would follow him. Yeah, and there's like blood on the knife and everything. It's pretty grisly because mm-hmm. they he throws the uh, communicator at their feet so they can get beamed up. But before they get beamed up, they would definitely be dead from machine gun because they start firing on them immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the story's over. That, it's just done. It's very strange. Dear Diary, commendation to Scotty because he obeyed the prime directive. <laughs> Technically. saved everyone but did not alert us to their presence. Yeah. Uh, he beamed you out of the middle of a crowded room. You disappeared in front of people who don't have transporter technology. Yeah. So I... So we get... Yes. And then we get that... No! The, that's the opposite of obeying the well, prime directive. those guys already knew, I think. No! All the cops in that room are dead. Oh, yeah, everyone's dead. No! No, they're still alive. The only people... I think the, 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 oh, cops, the cops are dead. No! No, the cops are alive. The only people in this episode who died were Merrick and Flavius. And Flavius died, like, off screen. Well, there's a couple of cops that get killed in the first no, shootout Flavius on the No, Flavius died set. on screen. Did yeah. he? He got okay. machine gun. Yeah. Okay. Straight like, up. There was not a lot of people died in this episode at all. No. Mm-hmm. A lot of implied death, but not a lot on screen death. But, yeah, okay, so we get... Now we get uh, sort of aside with the sort of little reveal about... Uh, Spock's like, it's funny because sun worshipping doesn't normally, isn't normally like a peaceful. Uh, and Hora's like, oh, you're all super wrong. And you've been, you know, completely missing all the incredibly obvious narrative signs. It was throughout. Jesus it all was along. Jesus the, it's not the sun in the sky. It's the son of God. <laughs> and everyone looks at the screen like they're in the office. Yeah, I get so angry and don't throw my notebook across the room, but really wanted to. My final note was Christianity is awesome. Caesar and Christ. They had them both. They did have them both. In in the world, they had them both. They so mad, love Um, and brotherhood to see it happen all over again. Yeah, Spock's like it will replace their imperial whatever. That's not how it happened. I feel like the theologist on board because they have people who's bizarre specializations. Yeah, basket weaving. Don't let that theologist near anything. She'll just fall in love with Jesus and run away with him. (laughs) True, but like the theologist would just be screaming like, wait. Wait! That's not how it worked! But also to see what happened. Like, is the same thing's gonna happen? Anyway. So here's the thing, though, yes. that, like, they already fucking destroyed the Prime Directive on this planet. It was pre-broken before they even got there. They didn't. The only person that knows is the Proconsul and the Five Guards. No one else knows. Mm-hmm. 
The I crime just, director. I have a real. Their shitty civilization remains intact. I just like, but there's still members of the Beagle crew potentially still down there. Yeah, well, they've integrated into the society. Except the ones who are still enslaved. Well, they'll f- no, they're all dead. The barbarians oh. are all dead. The ones who integrated. I'm lived. just, I, I have a real problem with the way this ends. So it's just like, so, you know, an entire chunk of your population is in slavery. And by the way, some humans from Earth are also being held against their will. Yeah, We're just going to leave. It's but fine. But Ari, Kirk got to bone a lady, so Ugh. it's fine. Well, I guess if he did free the slaves, he'd have to actually, you know, face the charges for that. I feel like the natural outcome of saying that it's Christianity and he means that eventually they'll like, fix themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That made me angry too. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Historically not what Christianity does to a civilization. Yeah. So life lesson to take away from this episode, Kim. Uh, you can control your population through reality TV. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ari? Pick one message and stick with it. Mine would probably be that reality television is evil and we should just stick with scripted 45 minute space dramas oh yeah i like that one <laughs> yes uh kim your count two deaths i definitely saw at least three guards get there's definitely gun more down. than three people uh, yeah and a couple of the yeah. slaves when they get caught by the cops yeah yeah whatever <laughs> slaves don't matter no i mean honestly like i was watching but i didn't feel like they clearly died they were just kind of punched in the face a little bit america's machine guy, america's died. Died. the other Fla- guard got... and flavius that's all i know there's definitely a couple of guards who got machine guns. okay and fine some slaves. and some slaves uh all right your count <laughs> two ladies oh sorry two people of color just sulu and Hura, and because apparently rome is sulu all white sulu wasn't in no. this episode no, sulu wasn't e- no there was an unnamed random crewman in the background sulu right. was not in this uh, episode. and five ladies uh three of them were slaves and they're apparently is a completely white Rome. Yeah. BT Dubs also completely at odds with actual history. All right. Uh, performance of the episode, Kim. Uh, I really hated this episode, so... Uh, the Pro Council? The Logan Ramsey. Yeah, sure, why not? He was uh, delightful. Yeah, Ari? I kind of want to give it to him, too. I'm definitely giving it to him. I thought he was amazing. Love to hate him a lot. I loved his sparkle shirt. I loved his weird hair that looked pasted on. And I loved his just don't give a care, Roman is there attitude. (laughs) Nice.